1: America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz.
2: Good morning, everybody, on this chilly morning in Los Angeles, appropriate for Halloween. Today, we're going to be talking about how do you buy and sell a business, and we have business broker with us today, Jeff Landau. Welcome, Jeff.
3: Thank you, Cindy. Good morning.
2: You sound very awake. You have your radio voice on.
3: I definitely have my radio voice on.
2: How about you? Um, well, you know what? I have to, like, really crank up the volume a little bit, but I'll get there. You know, if you have a radio voice, it makes me want to have more of a radio voice, so it works out really well. I will I...
3: keep the keep the level up high.
2: Yeah, no, that sounds good. That sounds good. Well, you know, we talked about business brokerage, and I to- I told you when we first had breakfast together that... A lot of my listeners probably don't know what a business broker does and they certainly wouldn't have a clue or the option of understanding what they can do or how they would get their, you know, I's dotted and their T's crossed if they were even thinking about selling a business. So you're going to be like Mr. Information today. Wonderful. I know you like that. So (laughs) tell us in the broadest sense, what does a business broker do?
3: A business broker helps in the transition of somebody's business. So someone is is interested in selling their small business, uh, I've sold businesses that had a value of in the 20,000s and up to uh, a couple million dollars. And we we basically help the seller find a buyer and uh, get the information transferred. between the buyer and seller, help the buyer determine if this is a business that they would be interested in owning and running, what value that they would place on that business, and then if if the buyer is interested in going forward, we help them with the transition.
2: Okay, well, you know, it sounds very, very easy, but first of all, not everybody can sell a business. I mean, in order to sell a business, you mentioned the word value and valuation. There has to be you know a process where it's 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 almost like guaranteed that there's going to be a revenue flow of some sort right by proving how much money a business was able to bring in in former years
3: that is typically going to be the most valuable part of that business is that cash flow stream and the better able a seller is able to prove that that would add more value to that business and it would add more value to the buyer it's it's very very difficult to sell a business especially in this environment where the business is either losing money or is breaking even um we're we're seeing that more now with the kind of economic environment that we're in, businesses aren't doing as well, so you have some sellers that want to exit, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be attractive to a buyer just because a seller wants to get out.
2: Well, exactly, and I, you know that's where I think people who have been in business for a long time might um, have, you know, they might have things working in their favor a little bit more than businesses that may have just recently opened? Isn't time and consistency an important part of the valuation process?
3: Certainly. That will definitely add more value for a buyer. I'm working with a business right now that started in June of '08. They've been doing very well. The concern from the buyers that I speak with is it's a short time. It's not as proven. If they were doing the exact same business, that they're doing right now as far as revenues and profits go, but they've been doing it for five years, certainly can give more confidence to a buyer that this is a stream that's likely to continue in the future, making it more valuable to the buyer to own and then more money in the pocket of the seller.
2: No, exactly right, exactly right. So, yeah, it must be a really, really hard time. Do you equally work with buyers and sellers?
3: I work with sellers mostly, and that is really a function of the marketplace, Um, unfortunately, there's no requirement for a business broker to work with another broker that's bringing a buyer to the table. It may sound kind of odd to you. Why wouldn't a broker who's trying to sell a business work with all buyers and the the plain answer is greed. That they want to keep the entire commission for themselves and they're looking out for their best interest and not their clients and I would be willing to bet that the sellers don't know that their agent is doing that.
2: Wow. Uh, so I mean, in many times do you, I mean, it's not a conflict of interest for a broker to play both the buyer and the seller?
3: No, what's What's interesting is that business brokerage in our state are required to have a current California real estate license, as is common in 17 other states in the country. It is allowed by the Department, the California Department of Real Estate, to represent both a buyer and seller as long as you make the proper disclosures and certainly for both parties as long as you're dealing with somebody that's ethical and is capable of looking out for both parties best interests.
2: Right. So it's pretty much the same rules and regulations as a real estate broker then. Exact same, yes. Yeah. Well, no, that makes sense. I've heard that after, you know, moving to California. Does New York have the same rules and regulations?
3: I am looking at my list and well, I don't I don't know if new york allows dual agency new york does not require a real estate license in order to do or, or uh, transact business sales so uh, i'm not sure what standard that they have
2: yeah, okay no it's interesting i it, many of the business brokers that i talk to in california always say well if i wanted to be a business broker the first thing i had to do was get my real estate license but i guess like a lot of the principles are kind of the same
3: very very much so uh it's like you said, the principles are the same. As far as a function goes, it's it's quite different. And I'll get people that are a little shocked at what our fees are. A lot of them aren't, but some are, where they'll say they know somebody that will help them sell their business for 6%, where the standard business brokerage fee is 10 to 12% of the sales price. And as soon as they say 6 I, I know that they've been speaking to a friend of theirs that is a realtor, and I try to explain to them that selling a home and selling a business are completely different.
2: Yeah, you have to have, so you really, you know, you have to really know, I mean, the basics might be the same, but the commission structure is different, but you're doing a lot more hard work. I mean, you know, you could get the value of a house by an appraiser, but I think that the value of a business is just much more challenging, so it's more work on behalf of the broker, so it makes sense that the commission would be higher.
3: That and it is far more difficult to close the sale of a business than to close the sale of a home. When when you come to agreement on the sale of a home, the basic contingencies are the buyer getting a loan, doing an inspection of the home, getting a pest inspection, the home appraising. There's a couple things, and those are all relatively straightforward with a business, First of all, you have to attract the buyer, which is far more difficult than attracting a buyer for a home. There are a lot of different ways to structure a transaction, but the most important thing is getting full disclosure from the seller, and I'm I'm quite shocked that I'll I'll ask a question of my selling clients and expect to get the full answer, and they just answer the part that is convenient to answer and I don't get the full answer. And then the next time I speak to them, I get a little bit more. And the next time I speak to them, I get a little bit more. And that, that doesn't help me properly place the business for them and properly structure the transaction and do the right marketing for them and answer the buyer's questions the right way.
2: Right, right. Well, you know, in all transactions, people have to figure out that there's no use in not just. Disc- fully disclosing everything up front because eventually they're going to have to get there when it comes to contract time, right?
3: Absolutely, and it it just makes it that much more difficult to get to contract time when I might tell a part of the story and then the buyer asks a a question I don't know the answer to, I get another answer from the seller, which isn't exactly the same thing that they told me before. And that puts even more uncertainty in the buyer's heads because buyers are coming into the transaction not knowing who the broker is typically, so not knowing what my motivations and my ethics are. And then they're always assuming that the seller is going to be hiding something. Why do they want to sell? What do they know that I don't know? So right, buyers right, well, are always no. going in very, very cautious. So I try to do the best job possible is getting everything out on the table to give the buyer confidence that, that's, that we are being ethical and honest and and trying to, you know, go forward in the proper way.
2: Well, you mentioned when we had breakfast that you do have sort of a basic form for, you know, a seller to fill out. Am I correct? You know, just so that you could get everything, you know, on the table.
3: Yes. I I have a checklist that I go through just as when somebody's going to get treatment from a doctor or attorney or getting their taxes done, those professionals will have a, checklist to make sure that they're asking all of the important questions and they can properly diagnose what's happening, I have the same kind of form.
2: Right. So that pretty, much, that pretty much sets the ground rules, if you will, for your clients. I mean, you know, they know that they have to answer these questions thoroughly in a manner that you know that it's satisfactory, so that way you don't waste your time and you could take the cell all the way through the transaction.
3: That's... I wish that happened 100% of the time, but it doesn't.
2: Yeah, no. Well, it's like anything else, particularly in this economy. People are scared. So they're going to want to just kind of see, you know, (laughs) what they can do and how much information they really have to give. But at the end of the day, I guess you have to make it very, very clear that if they're holding back on you, it's going to come out eventually before the deal closes.
3: Absolutely. and. And if I'm gonna be the one that is representing the buyer as well it's it's my duty to be digging deeply also
2: no oh, of course, that of
3: buyer's course.
2: how long have you been doing this, Jeff?
3: I've been brokering for seven years,
2: right right so um, and that's in California. you like it?
3: Yes, yeah, no, yeah, it it's looks like, you really like back it. when when I first got out of school, I was in banking and did a, a lot of work with investment bankers and that always intrigued me and caught my interest. We were doing business with Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, Bear Stearns, Lehman, some of the ones that aren't in business anymore. And I've I've always had interest in, in getting into that and never pursued it at that time in the early 90s. And now that it feels to me like I've come full circle. Although I'm not working on multi-million dollar deals, I'm still working in the in the sale of businesses. And uh, it, that's just a lot of fun for me.
2: No, you really seem to like it. You really seem to like it a lot. Well, we're coming to the end of our first segment. I told you that this goes very, very quickly. Yes. And we'll pick up in the next segment and talk a little bit more about due diligence and, you know, whether it's a good time to buy or sell a business and, you know, how the leasing works and all of that kind of stuff. So stand by and we'll hear more from Jeff Landau after this commercial break.
1: into profitability with the help of BR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.brpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307
4: Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows.
1: BR Public Relations. We do it all. www.brpublicrelations.com
5: It's sex education like you've never heard before. Want to improve your love life? You know, that love life. Join sexual wellness expert and certified erotic educator Jaya for Sex with Jaya. She'll bring you cutting-edge techniques to expand your erotic repertoire. Jaya will offer advice and speak with guests who will shed light on everything to do with sex. You can even listen together with that special someone. Sex with Jaya is broadcast live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety channels.
1: Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Pelzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Pelzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network stimulating talk gets those synapses
5: in your brain inspired really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts Voiceamerica.com.
1: welcome back to stars of pr with cindy r If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz.
2: We're back and we're talking about buying and selling a business with Jeff Landau, who's giving us a lot of information about what you need to know, basics before you sit down with somebody like Jeff, who is a business broker. Welcome back, Jeff.
3: Thank you, Cindy.
2: Um, We were talking a lot about being honest and disclosing all of the facts about business because eventually everybody's going to get there anyway and it wouldn't be nice to waste people's time with a bunch of, you know, fabrications, right?
3: Yes, especially my time.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Tell, how about this time? Is it a good time to buy or sell a business? I mean, if you actually do have the creds and the criteria to make it worthwhile.
3: I get asked that question a lot by sellers that I speak with and they're wondering whether it's worth waiting and it's certainly a good time to sell. I think whenever whenever the, the time is right, it always is a good time to sell. Will you get the most money for your business? Well, It depends how business is right now. It depends upon what the seller's motivation levels are also. There was somebody that I was speaking to that business is down a little bit this year compared to last year. They're trying to value the business off of last year, which a lot of people are trying to do. And they said, well, maybe we'll wait. And I just wanted to make sure that they understood waiting doesn't mean waiting a month or two. Right. They, they, They need to wait, first of all, until 2009 is done and they have their books done and now they know what 2009 looked like compared to 2008 and 2007. Then they need to have a full 2010 so they could show, should business pick up in 2010, you need a full year of operations to prove that 2009 was an aberration because of economic conditions or whatever the other reasons were. Then you want to wait until 2010 is closed. You have your accountant look everything, prepare everything properly then you could take a look at selling in 2011. So if it's, if somebody can wait two years, then, then they're taking the risk that 2010 gets better than 2009 for their business. Or else now they're going to be waiting another year after that. And so when somebody asks me, is it, is it the right time? Well, if they have the option of running the business another two to three years, then you know, maybe now isn't the, the best time for them, but that's taking a lot of risk, and a lot of different things can change in two to three years. The other thing is that when, when people are speaking to me, they already have that bug in their head that they're getting ready to exit, and when I, when I explain it that way, that they may be looking at another two to three, hour, two to three years out in a best-case scenario, that doesn't seem as appealing to them as they first thought waiting it out might be.
2: Right. No. Well, there's a catch twenty two here. It's um, you know probably I mean probably not the best time to sell. I mean because you know you're stuck in that having to prove that 2009 is an aberration sort of thing. You know. If yeah. they So you know, and if 2000, if the economy improves in 2010, which hopefully it will a tiny bit. You know, you got to wait that year out. I mean, that's probably the most practical or the most realistic calendar that you can, you know, that you could give to people when you're giving them advice about selling a business.
3: If if they're going to wait it out, they, they have to wait until 2010 is booked because if, if they try to sell in the first quarter, second, even third quarter, they're going to have a partial year. It's not going to be... It's not going to be audited by an accountant or at least their taxes won't have been done which people want to reconcile taxes to profit and loss statements to bank statements so that's not going to be done so they're they're not going to be able to get full credit for 2010 even if 2010 is better than 2009
2: all right so you know in this time what kinds of transactions are you seeing on the most part
3: I don't have a certain specialty of the businesses that I represent because I've never felt that that would be in my client's best interest for me to only know how to sell one type of business. So The kind of businesses that I've seen recently, a couple of e-commerce companies um, working with three different in-home care companies, uh, non-medical, then outside of that, it's I've a, a couple of dry cleaners, an aircraft parts broker, an arcade, a snack food manufacturer, MRI company. You know, it's pretty
2: pretty yeah. spread
3: all over the board.
2: Well, you mentioned over the last week that um, you know, when we were having conversations that also um marijuana dispensaries was a part of it.
3: I will probably be bringing one of those to market next week, although there's an incredible amount of uncertainty in the marketplace, especially for Los Angeles County, really for the whole state, but I just have to focus on L.A. County because that's where this one is is located. There's a decent amount of them on the market. We have one with our firm right now, and I don't know, they're getting a lot of hits on the Internet. I don't know how many phone calls that the other broker is is getting on it. It's a fascinating, fascinating well, industry. Well, it and,
2: is. It really is. It's it, it's fascinating. And as you know, I only bring this up because I, you you read in our correspondences that, you know, I'm doing work with the lawyer that won the ordinance on right. behalf of, some of the dispensaries in a collective and you know as well as I do that you know there's a, there's sort of a legal battle going on so with that kind of uncertainty it's really <laughs> it must be difficult to you know to handle a transaction because there's so many sensitivities
3: Absolutely, just, just as the stock market will discount news that they're thinking is going to be bad a buyer is going to be discounting any kind of uncertainty. The more certain the cash flow is, the more certain the business is. If there's a business that has a lot of long-term contracts with solid clients, that's going to have more value than if there's a business that that doesn't have those contracts. So same with a medical marijuana business. The, The state hasn't come out with what their guidelines are nor does it seem like the state will. Right now, the state stance is that they're going to let the municipalities figure out how they they want to interpret the loosely adopted law.
2: Right, right.
3: So now it comes out to the city of L.A. in this particular case. They came out with a sort of idea in 2007, and they said, more to follow, and then three different times when that date came up where they were really going to come up with what their guidelines were that came and went, most recently two months ago.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's a tough one. And if only the law was in place, it would probably be a nice little, you know, category for you. But it's just like one of those things where I think that people hesitate to, Get involved with people don't want to touch the law, and lawmakers just feel it's controversial because of moral reasons and it's a shame really, because if it, if the law can only be defined, I think that it could be an economy enhancer for sure, you know well, you talked a little bit before about um you know broker cooperation, and um, my question to you now is um, how do you get involved with due diligence?
3: You know, when you start bringing a broker call op I get all riled up. So, okay, you can so, go, you can get so get riled as far up as again. the question about due due diligence, uh, <laughs> due due diligence is it's a a gray area for a broker. We we really can't get too hands on, which might sound contradictory, especially since if we're representing the buyer, we have a fiduciary duty to the buyer. The the issue stems from everybody has their own risk tolerance. Everybody's going to value a business differently. Someone is going to want three years of tax returns. Somebody may want five. Somebody may not care. Somebody's comfortable with profit and loss statements. Somebody wants a longer term lease, a shorter term lease. Maybe it's twenty five cents. The lease is twenty five cents a square foot. Too high. Too low. And, you know, if somebody said, what would what, what I do, it's just so different for everybody that if I pointed out a clause in, in the lease that was really important to me and the buyer didn't, didn't, didn't care about it, then what if the opposite thing happens, that I, I look at something because of my risk tolerance I'm completely comfortable with, that, that it, when the buyer sees it, it freaks them out. So am I wrong for not pointing that out? It's Everybody has their own risk tolerance. So we, we really have to be hands off and just make sure that the information flows. And we, we can't even get into making a statement whether the information' is accurate. That's something that that the buyer has to determine on their own. And that all stems from how consistent the, the, the seller the seller's picture is that they're painting.
2: Right, right. When they start
3: telling a story and that story goes on and on over the course of emails and phone calls and meetings, is the story the same or are there new things coming out each time? When there's new things coming out each time, that's going to raise a lot of uncertainty with the buyer. It's like, well, maybe I need to ask a hundred more questions to really get the full story since I'm getting new bits and pieces each time.
2: Wow. No, it makes it, you have, it your job isn't easy. No. No, I wouldn't say that your job is easy at all. Um, I want to talk a little bit about financing and how it usually works for purchases.
3: How it usually works is that the seller needs to have some skin in the game when the business sells. We call that seller financing. Uh, SBA-backed financing is in transition right now, as you can expect with the credit crisis that the country was suffering through, this year and last year, the SBA requirements for small business loans got restricted just like other underwriting guidelines were affected
2: right. right and
3: small business loans are difficult to get anyway because of the general requirements for SBA financing they want to they typically want to see three years of tax returns. And just there, that knocks a lot of businesses out. I'm working with businesses that haven't had the same ownership for three years. So one is that MRI company that I mentioned that's only been in business 18 months. There's another business I'm working with, a janitorial services company. Been in business seven years, but the current owner has only had it for two. So you, you have to have three years of taxes, preferably, the taxes need to show a profit, which may sound kind of funny that it has to show a profit, but a lot of sellers aren't in business to pay the government as much money as possible. They want to, They typically want to show as, as many expenses as possible so they have a lower tax burden. It right, benefits right, right. them while they're owning the business, but it doesn't benefit them when they're selling it.
2: No, no, I, and that's understood. Well, listen, we have to take another commercial break, and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we come back. Thanks for giving us so much information. I Got think it. that people are getting a good picture on how to buy a a business because of you, Jeff Landau, so stand by. Okay.
1: saleability into profitability with the help of vr public relations visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call
4: 1-818-783-3307 movie premieres charity events tv specials radio shows
1: vr public relations we do it all www.brpublicrelations.com
4: are you a wow a wise outrageous woman a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the Wow Zone each week, where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz. In the Wow Zone, broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Anything is possible.
5: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Pop icon! Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz.
2: Yep, Jeff Lando is certainly a star of PR. He's a business broker. And Jeff, I think that you mentioned that you're going to have a radio show too?
3: Yes, uh, True Business Services is starting a program in January. And we're going to be on from 8 to 10 Monday through Friday morning on AM 1400.
2: And I think that's terrific. Um, I think that it's a it's a great topic because everybody thinks that it's so easy, and um, that must be frustrating. You know, well, gee, I think I'm going to just sell my business. You know, the market's down. I need some cash. I'll just sell it. But it isn't that easy.
3: <laughs> no, it's not. And yeah, that's the the people that don't value the fee that we charge, and they don't understand that we work for free until the very last moment when that business transitions so yeah
2: no i mean like yeah. you could that's really the frustrating part for you i mean you could do so much work and you know, put so many hours into it and then, you know, you don't get paid until the deal is closed. And even though the commission might seem to be, you know, higher than might one might expect, I mean, look at all the work that you have to do. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, you're good at what you do and you really have to evaluate at the very beginning and assess whether or not it's going to be worth your time.
3: Certainly. And the, the biggest con- consideration for me is really... Well, There's two things. One is, is, is the business making making money, is approvable? What is the seller's motivation level?
2: Right, right. Are they serious?
3: Yeah. You know, if, if they and, what, wanna, and what
2: if would they you recommend? If they
3: just want to float a, a price out, and it, there's no harm to them other than sending me some information, and then I, I do all the work, I speak to the buyers, and the buyers say, wow, this is really overpriced. What, what will the seller do? If they're not going to do anything on price, everybody's just wasting their time.
2: No, exactly. Well, what would you recommend um, a buyer to do to get themselves ready to start the process? Um, what you know, I know that we might be getting a little bit repetitive, but because this is the last segment, I wanted to, I wanted my listeners to hear from you.
3: Sure, for for a buyer. I, the, the the things that come to mind first are from the financial standpoint is to really have a good idea how much money you're willing to put down for the purchase, and make making sure that there's enough money set aside for working capital after your down payment, and that you have enough money set aside for your own personal needs. If this is going to be your full time quote unquote job. Then you don't. If you have a hundred thousand dollars, you don't want to First of all, it'll be hard to buy a good business for a hundred thousand. But you don't want. You're not going to be putting a hundred thousand dollars down on the business purchase. You're not going to have any working capital. And what if your car needs to get fixed? What if your mortgage needs to get paid? So you need to have a really good understanding of what your risk capital is for your down payment, what your working capital will will be, and how much money you need to set aside to make sure that you're going to get through slow times. Outside of that, it's really important, I feel, to analyze your skill set and think about what skills you'd like to employ in the business that you're buying and what industry that you would be in. One of the reasons it's difficult for me to work with a buyer is I'll ask how much money they have for down payment. Oh, don't worry about that. I have money. Right. to them could mean, I have $50,000, you don't understand, don't worry about it.
2: Yeah, they have to come up front and tell you exactly what they have.
3: Absolutely. And the, the other thing is, when I say, what kind of business are you interested in, it's I'm, I'm interested in a good business, which I was assuming that they didn't want to buy a bad business. That's like somebody calling a real estate broker and saying, I'm interested in buying a house. And they said well what what are you looking for? Well, this is an investment, so I just want something good,
2: yeah, but you know that's <laughs> when you have to counsel them that they really ought to learn a little bit about what they're getting into right
3: absolutely, you
2: know you can't it's not the it, it's really they they i guess they look to you like you're a stockbroker
3: <laughs> it's yeah, and it's it's really important that somebody brings." Some strong skill set. Either it's it's fantastic knowledge of the industry that they're getting into, or it's how to improve operations of a a business. Now you can always hire somebody that if if you know operations of a business and you end up finding one that doesn't have the best operations, there's a good opportunity for you. you well, of
2: can, course. I mean you, that's how you can increase the business. Though. Certainly. So and, I mean, you know, it's it's funny though. I guess that's when you have to get people to focus a little bit before they come and talk back talk to you
3: again. Absolutely. Because there's there's probably 10,000 businesses for sale that are being marketed right now in our state. Where do you start? You know, when you say show me any business and then I show them one that well, that's too far from my house. Well, good. Then let me know what your radius is so we no, can No, 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 that's really down. that's
2: that's interesting. <laughs> but that's where you have to do your prep with your you know, with your own sheets and, you know, your own evaluation. You
3: Absolutely. know, I mean,
2: that's where the broker has to do a lot of work and, um, you know, there's no doubt that you're working very, very hard to earn earn your money. Um, on the other side, again, what can a seller do to prepare to sell their business?
3: The most important thing that they can do is to get their finances in order. Uh, you need to... Definitely keep your, keep a profit and loss running and hopefully all of your taxes are filed and that they've been accurate. It's, it's amazing to me how many times when I'm speaking to a seller for the first time and I'm asking them about their profitability, I'm asking them questions about their profit and loss statement and they don't have the answer. You know, I'm not expecting them to have things memorized, but what I, what I do expect Sit in front of your computer, click a button, open up Excel or QuickBooks or whatever other software you want to use, and you should have all the answers there. It's, it's amazing to me when I say to somebody, can you send me three years of profit and loss statements, or so I ask them, you know, can you send me this? They go, oh, yeah, we're going to have to work on it. To me, the work should be clicking the button and to print and then putting it in, in your fax line.
2: Well, of course, I mean, but you know that means people just don't really know how to, you know. I, I, you would think that businesses would know because they do have to do their annual tax reporting, and I would imagine that the processes are very similar. That's it.
3: Yes, it is.
2: I mean, you know, if you're if you're doing your accounting right, then it should be a walk in the park because all you want to look at is, you know, ta- you know, prior tax forms, right? But you know, right? I mean, that that's what makes sense to me.
3: Yes that makes sense to me too uh, there are some business owners that don't operate that way I was I was at a business last night that I brought a buyer to a dry cleaning plant so they work for there's a the difference between a plant and an agency an agency is where you would bring your clothes and then the plant is the one that actually cleans it and not all agencies do their own cleaning so I was at a plant last night uh, they've owned it for five months the plant has been in business for a very very long time Owners are just overwhelmed at how much time that it's taking, and they don't want to be running it anymore. So I said, you know, can I at least take a look at your profit and loss statement, see what's been happening the last four to five months, and I would love to be able to see the records from the seller that you bought the business from so at least we can paint a picture about what's happening. Well, we didn't get the records from the seller, Mm. Um, and they don't even have their own profit and loss statement. And how somebody could buy a business without looking at anybody's records uh, it must be wonderful to trust somebody that that much, but geez. <laughs>
2: I mean, it just seems like basic business to me, and I'm sure that you're very surprised at how many people don't adhere to basic business, and that's one of the ways that I guess that you could eliminate <laughs> them as prospects. But um, you know, if they're, it's just so basic. It's like what you report to the IRS is the best proof of what you know what. The
3: worth of your company is
2: over yes. a long period of time I you know I don't understand why people don't know that
3: I don't understand either
2: well it means well it, it means something's fishy they're gonna have to catch up with it eventually I guess
3: <laughs> yeah and you know it it doesn't mean that somebody isn't doing anything accurately or that they aren't honest people they just it just may be beyond their skill set so you know it's it's okay. I have somebody that helps me with with my taxes, but the point is I know that I'm not an expert at it, and I have somebody help me and If somebody's not good at bookkeeping, hire a bookkeeper they aren't they aren't expensive they're not going to be on on payroll just have your you know they should just have that for the sake of running their business properly, not even thinking about selling their business, just having it run properly, know what your revenues and expenses are, and where you you can Improve your revenues, or some kind of expenses that you can cut, or just know what's going on. Uh, you would,
2: you would think. Is there anything <laughs> else that I may have not touched upon in, you know, my my thorough or at least attempt to be thorough Q and A?
3: Yes. Oh, is there anything? I'm yes.
2: Sorry. <sighs> I did. Th- I I was pretty thorough, huh?
3: Yeah, I think I think we've we've covered everything. It's. Uh, as i as i mentioned my my pet peeve about the broker cooperation we could we could speak about that longer uh but as as far as you know as far as what what a seller and buyer need to do to to get themselves ready uh i and how a business Transition. And there's there's a lot that goes in the transition of a business. I'm sure that would run us well over the time we have allotted on our segment. As yeah. far as the the, the escrow process, uh, the benefit of using an escrow company as a, as opposed to not using escrow. There's bulk sale laws. Uh, there's you know a, a lot of nitty gritty that goes on. Once you end up finding the buyer agreeing terms, then there's still a lot that has to happen in order to, to get that business to close. And as as many months as it, as it could take to find a buyer and to agree on terms, it could take that same amount of time to get the business closed, even though you would think it should take three weeks or a month. It rarely works out that smoothly.
2: Yeah, no, I'm sure. Well, where can people get in touch with you, website, Jeff, or anything like that? So when they want to buy or sell a business and do it properly, they could call you?
3: They can call my direct line at 805-823-8825. My email address is jeff at jeff-landau, dot And they could take a look at the businesses that our brokerage firm has for sale at troopbusiness.com.
2: Well, listen, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to educate our listeners about buying and selling a business. Really appreciate it. And um, this will be downloadable um, probably by this afternoon through www.brpublicrelations.com or www.voiceamerica.com. It's all yours, and it's wonderful. It's what This show encapsulates everything you need to know before you really think about buying or selling a business, Jeff, and we really thank you for your time. You take care and have a great day.
3: Cindy, thank you for having me.
2: You are very welcome. Everybody take care and be safe this weekend on Halloween. Ciao.
1: Thank you for listening to stars of pr with cindy r please come back next thursday and every thursday at 7 a.m pacific time 10 a.m eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with cindy rakowitz on stars of pr see you next week i
2: am an american idol i got
4: synthetic result. i kill my again. i see tv screen. i am a death row psycho i am
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests. And do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.